electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Adami, Steve Grosso, Jeff Mills, and Bono and Eisen. Tonight on Fast, deal in danger. Coronavirus and talks grinding to a halt with a D.C. dysfunction derail this rally. Plus, we are gearing up for another big week of earnings of key names that need to be on your watch list. And later, meet the caddy of electric vehicles, literally. We'll tell you about GM's latest attempt to take on Tesla. But first, we start with the China tech takedown. President Trump signing an executive order effectively banning TikTok and WeChat from operating here in the U.S. The order goes into effect in 45 days unless those apps are sold by their Chinese-owned parent companies. The news sending Chinese tech stocks tumbling in today's session. So let's get right to Deirdre Bosa, who's got the very latest on this. Deirdre. Melissa, $35 billion off WeChat parent Tencent's market cap overnight in Hong Kong. But remember, this is a nearly $700 billion company. And perhaps more surprising is that it's been able to fly under the radar for so long. Now, there are still a lot of questions about what the EO would and wouldn't do. But a ban could get very messy because Tencent is far more intertwined with American business than TikTok is. First, there's the sheer scale of Tencent's investment network, more than 450 companies in its portfolio, according to PitchBook, including American household names like Tesla, Snap, big gaming players as well. Now, Fallout could touch sports, too. Tencent has a deal with the NBA to stream games in China. There's also American businesses operating in China that are reliant on the app like Starbucks, Disney, McDonald's. They could be cut off from Chinese consumers if they're banned from operating within WeChat because the so-called super app is where a billion active users in China can shop, spend, stream, game much more within a single app. And for that reason, Apple and Google could also suffer if users switch devices because they can't access Tencent apps. Talk, Melissa, is now turning to how the Chinese might retaliate. Keep in mind, though, that this tech cold war began years ago. Many of America's most popular Internet services have been banned in China for a long time already. Twitter, Google, Facebook, to name a few. That, in part, has enabled the rise of WeChat and other Chinese digital giants. Back to you. Deidre, a couple of quick questions here. Um, first of all, in terms of the video games like Fortnite and League of Legends, as I understand it, they, are, they would be unaffected by this ban, correct? Well, there's still so much we don't know. We do know that Tencent has a stake in Epic Games and a number of other video game players, mm -hmm. but we don't know if those ties would have to be undone if they operate within Tencent in China or within the WeChat app. There could be some restrictions, but again, Melissa, we just don't know how far the EO will go. And then in terms of Starbucks and McDonald's marketing on WeChat, the issue really here is, is the use of WeChat in the United States because it's the user data, right, that the U.S. is concerned about. So, so an executive order would potentially ban McDonald's use of WeChat in China to reach out to Chinese domestic consumers? Right. So the WeChat app does a lot more in China than it does here mm -hmm. in the United States. It's primarily a messaging app. So that would affect a lot of the American Chinese that use the app to communicate with family and friends. But in China, you're exactly right. Starbucks, McDonald's, 
they don't just use the app for marketing. That's where transactions take place. That's how people actually order their food and drinks. So if there were restrictions placed and say McDonald's and Starbucks could no longer associate or work within the WeChat app, it could certainly affect their business. Because remember, Chinese consumers, they spend essentially their digital lives within this one app, which is really, there's no equivalent here in America. Right. Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa, as Deidre had mentioned, there's a lot we don't know yet about this executive order, what sorts of transactions would be banned. That's to be determined by the Secretary of Commerce later on. But what we do know is that Beijing has already come out, Jeff Mills, and said that it firmly opposes this executive order. So we've already raised the ire of China. That we know. Are you worried about this? Yeah, look, I don't think this is something that's going away anytime soon. I think it's a new Cold War of sorts in terms of technology, and it's become bipartisan. So this is going to be with us for a long time. And when I think about the U.S. equity markets and the valuations we're, at, we're trading, it is a little bit more vulnerable if and when investors start to care about this. I do think that between now and the election, though, this is probably going to take a backseat from a macro perspective to things like the trajectory of the virus and obviously what's going to happen with the U.S. presidential election. I really think that's front and center. And from a macro perspective, if you look at the foreign exchange market, just mm -hmm. as an example, the yuan-dollar relationship isn't really demonstrating any stress right now as it relates to this. The dollar continues to deteriorate versus the yuan. You would expect the opposite if the market was pricing in something from a macro perspective. So I would pay particular attention to that, not only in terms of what the macro market's pricing in, but in terms of you know, the trajectory of emerging markets or commodities, which have actually been on a pretty decent run lately. I do think that from an individual equity perspective, you could have issues. I think about a company like Tesla or a company like Apple, you know, thinking about just in round numbers, the percentage of revenues to China, somewhere around 15 percent. These are stocks that have been on fire, so potentially a little bit more vulnerable. And I think about Tesla specifically. The stock really started to take off when Chinese auto sales data came out better. I forget whether it was March or April. But again, that particular catalyst, which is driving a companies like, like that stock mm -hmm. higher, you know, could be vulnerable here given the, the valuations they're trading. I think just more broadly, U.S. tech stocks are probably more vulnerable than some of the big Chinese tech stocks. When you think about Baba or Tencent or Baidu, you know, they're very insulated from a revenue perspective. Right. So I think that's worth considering as well. Even if there weren't retaliation per se, Guy, I mean, the concern for Apple is that if Apple had to remove WeChat from the App Store and could not offer it in China, Chinese people wouldn't buy that phone. It would be useless to them if they, if they had no access to WeChat. And that would put a serious dent in China sales. And that's not so, uh, that's, I mean, that's somewhat plausible, right, given the yeah. backdrop. Now, people will say correctly that, hey, you know, the Chinese have banned our companies for years. Turnabout is fair play. We're just sort of leveling the playing field. I totally get it. Uh, you know, I understand what's going on here. And I've said for quite some time that probably correctly, President Trump is pushing back on the Chinese. Without question, uh, that's undeniable. But with that said, I've also said there are ramifications. Now, Clearly, there have been no ramifications in terms of the market because Nasdaq's at an all-time high and the S&P's within a percent and a half of its all-time high that we made six or seven months ago. But at a certain point, I think it's something the market needs to consider and to watch out for because I'm pretty sure that the escalation will happen uh, in the rhetoric and the escalation will happen in terms of actions. And I think the market will wake up to it at some point. The difference also is that for U.S. companies, China is part of the growth story. It's part of the P.E., right? It's part of the uh, forward P.E. When you're, when you're taking a look at that. If you took out China sales, that would be a serious dent in that growth story. But for a lot of the Chinese companies, Steve Grasso, 
they're looking at a domestic growth story. It's not as dependent as expansion into the United States. And Alibaba just catering to the Chinese market. There's a lot of opportunity there and around Asia without the U.S. So, so a couple of things there. So to unpack it, I think you're, uh-huh. you're, you're dead on in that. I do think that this is a way that you can get the growth to value switch even quicker. So I agree with, every, uh, with the first two. Jeff and Guy, if you think about this, we're 40 handles off an all-time high in the S&P. Market doesn't care about it. Tesla knew about this. Apple knew about this months ago. We've had years to think about this trade war so, or, or any of the other ramifications. And I agree with Guy. I think this is about Facebook, Google, Snapchat being accepted and allowed into the country. This is, I think this is just a leverage tool to allow our companies fair play uh, within their country. Having said that, none of this matters unless the market really starts to take a pulse and see where we're going from here. Look at the gaming stocks. Tencent owns 5% of Activision Blizzard, and Activision Blizzard sold off over 5% today. That's ridiculous to me. That's a buying opportunity. I think the market's overcorrect. Mm-hmm. And I think really the bite is much less than the bark. And I think it'll be the same way this time around as well. There is, though, a potential speed bump. I mean, let's say longer term that that growth in the U.S., that the growth story remains intact for a lot of these hot Chinese tech companies, Bono, and uh, even with this executive order in place. Um, if there is sort of a, a move against Chinese companies and they're forced to delist here in the United States, they have access, of course, to Hong Kong. and They may have secondary listings there already. But that would have a ramification in terms of ETF holdings of some of these stocks. I would imagine that some of these ETFs would not be able to hold, hold non-U.S. listed companies. And that could be uh, the speed bump in the immediate term, if not later on. Uh, uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, intermediate term for sure. I mean, I think the, um, I think the deadline for the, the accounting standards to kind of be met is 21 or 22. So there is some time there. But as you know, the other three panelists have, have kind of said, this really isn't a new issue. I mean, we've, it's been somewhat of a step function in terms of escalation, whether it be um, my, uh, treatment of minorities in, in certain regions of China or whether like how um, they've kind of progressed and, 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 and taken some of the, the rights away from um, this Hong Kong as a sovereign nation um, I mean, I, I can go on and on, but it's, it's literally been a step function of de-escalation. But at a 30,000-foot view or high level, mm-hmm. if you really look at, like, some of the pillars of what the current administration is hanging their hat on, right? We've talked about uh, historically low unemployment. We've talked about a uh, historically strong stock market. And we've seen the volatility in the stock market really started in the latter half of 2018. The unemployment story, I don't really think I need to reiterate that. We all know that. And if you take into account the gig economy and all those people that aren't being accounted for, we're looking really closer to 16% here. So the last pillar here is the international relations piece. And I wouldn't be surprised to see this continue to escalate into the election. This is really the last thing that they have to stand on and say, listen, this is, what, this is the campaign that we ran on. This is what we're being consistent on. And I think everything else kind of comes out of that. The devil will be in the details in terms of what the bans will be, but I think it makes a, to, to try to answer your question more succinctly, I apologize. I really think the, the accounting standards, that definitely makes sense. If you're going to be held 
within an ETF or an index fund, if you think about the players, the pension funds, the asset manager, there needs to be a level playing field in terms of the financial disclosures and how, um, and, and how earnings, et cetera, are being accounted for. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. We're following new developments, of course, out of Washington, D.C., when it comes to the latest round of uh, coronavirus talks. Following a, a fall, falling apart, excuse me, let's get to Elon Moy with all the details on this. It was a um, dismal outcome, Elon. Well, that's right, Melissa. The president just tweeted about the talks a few moments ago. He said, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Senator Chuck Schumer only interested in bailout money for poorly run Democratic cities and states, nothing to do with China virus, want $1 trillion, no interest, we are going a different way. So the president there making it very clear that these talks have now reached an impasse and they have broken down. The two sides did try to meet on Capitol Hill for about 90 minutes this afternoon, but they weren't even able to reach an agreement over how big this package should be. It was a disappointing meeting. Um, we reiterated in very strong terms our offer. We come down a trillion from our top number, which is three, four. They go up a trillion from their top number, which was one. And that way we could begin to meet in the middle. Unfortunately, they rejected it. White House officials said the problem was not just the price tag, but also fundamental disagreements over policy, especially aid to state and local governments and unemployment benefits. Well, uh, we were glad to just watch. What they want is a two and a half trillion dollar blank check. And I can just tell you the president has encouraged us not only to negotiate and uh, as the secretary indicated to come back and negotiate in good faith. But at this point, I, I'm extremely disappointed that we came up here today just to hear the same thing repeated over and over again. And Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and the Treasury Secretary said they will now recommend to President Trump that he pursue executive action over student loans, unemployment benefits, and rental evictions. We'll be watching to see if and when those orders come down. Melissa, back over to you. Elon, thank you. Elon Moy. Um, so what does this mean? Steve, why don't the markets on this? So I think the, I think the real case is that uh, what, what we just discussed is executive action. If you have uh, the Democrats and Republicans cannot meet up on whether it's two trillion, two and a half trillion or four trillion, then you're going to have executive action. You saw a headline today, Mnuchin came out and urged the president to lean towards executive action. President Trump said, if Congress can't do it, I'm going to do it. So I think the market knows that the spigots of money are going to be there, whether or not D.C. Uh, Dems and Republicans can agree upon it. And the truth is, it doesn't really matter. As long as Powell's there as a backstop, as long as Trump can do the executive action, mm -hmm. the market will still have the funding to bridge the gap between now until whenever we get to a more normalized state. So I think that's what the market's focused on right now and that's why it's not budging and that's why the market is still moving higher. I get that, but with the with the S&P 500 at 33.51, Jeff Mills, should should it should you be a little bit more cautious? I mean, it's all about context, right? And so you can believe that the deal is going to get done, but that outside chance that it doesn't with the markets where they are right now, that could be a lot of downside. 
Yeah, it is. That's why I don't think this is at all an upside catalyst. But I agree with what Steve is saying in terms of the market looking through this and saying, mm -hmm. look, we're going to get something because we need it. Uh, unemployment is still an issue. We're healing, but it's going to be uneven. Let's not forget, we have 5 million people now outside of the labor force. The labor force participation rate dropped to 61.4. So you have that shadow unemployment going on that if those people start to come back and look for jobs, the unemployment rate rises more. And then the administration has a massive incentive to do something here. I think the single most significant variable in terms of being correlated with whether or not a president is likely to get reelected is income growth. If, if you chart income growth against the share of a two-party vote the president's likely to get, it's almost linear. So something is going to happen, and I think that's what the market's looking to. All right, we've got a news alert here on the Robinhood trading platform. Let's get to Kate Rooney, who's got the details. Kate. Hey, Melissa, Robinhood will no longer display how many customers hold a certain stock on its website. The trading platform is also restricting access to its APIs. That public data is how websites like RobinTrack and other third parties report how many people are buying or selling a certain stock. That data has been used to show booms in retail activity in stocks like Kodak and Virgin Galactic, for example. You guys know RobinTrack well. A lot of financial news outlets use it for reporting, including CNBC. Robinhood saying in a statement, even though we're restricting third-party access to our API, a lot of customers will still be able to take advantage of many other resources and tools that we offer. A Robinhood spokesperson telling me trends uh, and data is often misconstrued or misunderstood. They say that it's not representative of how their customer base actually uses Robinhood. For, for example, they say the majority of Robinhood customers are not day traders and that when they look at customer behavior over time, Many customers are using a, quote, buy and hold strategy. Melissa, back to you. Kate, thank you. Kate Rooney. I don't know, Guy Adami, you see um, Eastman Kodak on the list, and uh, that might spur people to say, hey, uh, what's this Kodak up 30% in one day? Yeah. No, I agree. Listen, I actually think that's somewhat of an encouraging development because I think for a lot of people, they use that as sort of some, some, something of a self-fulfilling prophecy you get a stock on the list, people see the stock on the list, stock gets bought. It, you know, you see how that can be somewhat misconstrued. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. And maybe that's just sort of the uh, maturation process of Robinhood. So on the margins, I don't think it's anything to do with the market moving, mm -hmm. obviously. But I think on the margins, it's actually an encouraging development for Robinhood and the people that uh, are part of that or part of that community. Yep. Coming up, check this out. General Motors unveiling its first all-electric Cadillac crossover. What does this mean for the EV trade? Got the details and the closer look inside this vehicle next. And later on Options Action, deer on deck for earnings. Are traders seeing green in this name, or do they expect shares to get mowed? Stick around. We promise we won't get into the weeds. <laughs> We're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. GM trying to capitalize on the red-hot electric vehicle market with an all-new EV crossover. Let's get to Phil LeBeau, who's got all the details. Hey, Phil. 
Hey, Melissa, this has been in the works for some time, and General Motors has made it clear Cadillac will be the brand that will lead all of its major technology push into electric vehicles over the next several years. So with that in mind, last night they gave us the first look, and here it is, the new Cadillac Lyric, which is a mid-size crossover utility vehicle. This is pretty close to what it's going to look like when it ultimately comes out uh, in a few years. When you look at the Lyric, keep in mind that they're saying that the range will be at least 300 miles, and the inside has just phenomenal uh, appearance in terms of what it will do with the heads-up display, the panel in the front, uh, in front of what they call the cockpit behind the instrument, the instrument panel behind the steering wheel. Uh, it looks fantastic. But keep in mind, this is a vehicle that we will not see until 2022. That's because they have to build out the charging infrastructure around the country. They're not even saying, hey, we don't, we don't know exactly how much of a charge you're going to get like, with a quick charge, let's say over 20 or 30 minutes. But the goal here is to become much more competitive and ultimately beat Tesla. Yes, General Motors believes that it can beat Tesla. If they're going to do that, they better win in California. That is the number one EV market in this country. Take a look at sales last year. We're just showing you brand sales here between Tesla and Cadillac. And when you compare the two, no comparison at all. That is Tesla's biggest market, and they're doing quite well there. There we go. 72,000 last year were sales of Teslas in California. Cadillac, a little over 11,000. They've got their work cut out for them and certainly have their work cut out in terms of catching up to them when it comes to market cap. Tesla's market cap more than seven times bigger than General Motors. And one other piece of EV-related news. You know, we've been talking about SPACs, Melissa. You've got Fisker, which is, uh, what, about three weeks ago, there was a SPAC that was announced uh, that Fisker will ultimately go public through. Well, today they announced that this car, the Ocean EV, will be built by Magnastair at Magnastair's uh, facility uh, over in Europe. We should be clear here. They did not announce that. Our sources tell us that. We reached out to the company. They say they have no comment at this time. But the bottom line is this, Melissa, everybody wants to get into this EV space, but we're not going to see a big a flurry of these vehicles for at least a couple of years. Phil, thanks. Phil um, Bonwin, I'm not quite sure what the strategy is for releasing the specs of a cool-looking car that won't be on the market at all until 2022. <laughs> uh, I don't know if people are going to hold off and say, hey, I'm going to wait for that Cadillac Lyric and not buy my Tesla <laughs> because the Lyric's going to come out in 2022. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, patience is a virtue, but not when, you, not when you have somewhere to be. So, um, listen, conceptually, I do think it makes sense for, for Cadillac. They've been trying to shift their demographic for years now. I think they've had <clears throat> a storied past of being a large, boxy car. You, you know, I mean, you think of an older generation, and they've, they've gradually, and, and tipping my captain, they've gradually shifted that demographic. But that's just it. It's a concept. We're talking about latter half of 2022. I mean, what does a consumer demand look like? What does their infrastructure look like? And then what other technological developments have been made by Tesla and other competitors by the time they're actually able to bring this thing to market? Um, I also thought it was interesting that they had already pegged a price in the $70,000 range. We don't know if that's really going to be an applicable price point two years out. So, again, I think it's a great headline, uh, tension grabber, nice, and, nice and, uh, in concept. All right. Up next, final trades. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. 
crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bono and Ison. It's many fits and starts, but I'm uh, fading the rally in CCL. Jeff Nels. Nobody seems to want REIT exposure these days, but I think the cell tower REIT space is interesting. Look at CCI, Crown Castle. Steve Grasso. Sonos, they beat on revenue and got it higher than the street. It's down 25% in two days. Buy the stock. It's silly. Gee. Biogen, Mel. All right. That does it for us here on Fast. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.